One of the things uh, that some of you, uh, as I was, was raised in church, and I'm actually a PK, and I, I had my proverbial times of being a PK. That means I was rotten. Anyway, uh, but in that, some of us grew up in a lot of legalism, and I grew up in a lot of a, a lot of legalism. Uh, I, there, there was stuff that that now that I look back, I'm going like, how was it a sin to go bowling? I don't understand that. But anyway, but I, so I grew up in a ton of, of legalism, and and so I always, you know, one of the things the Lord really was delivering me from a lot, especially in my uh, early days back in when I was first pastoring. I started pastoring. Uh, at 26 near Lumberport, and that's when I met Pastor Roger and and Heather, and they you know they got us through Cleansing Stream. And the main issue, man, uh, you you might have not been for you, but when they dealt with this uh, this this uh, religious spirit at the retreat, and they prayed for me, you know, I, it was it was a big one. Anyway, so uh, it was in great deliverance took place, and so. Uh, I understand the tension between the holiness of God and then also the grace of God. I was thinking about this uh, this morning. I was looking it up in John chapter 1 verse 17. It says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what I want you to understand is there is always going to be this tension between grace and truth. It is always going to be a, a tension that is you know, pulling you back uh, in each direction. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 where it says we're speaking the truth in love that we may be able to grow up into all things. Now one, this is, some of this at the beginning I'm just going to give you my perspective on it but I feel like that, that the church has, has done really good in trying to love people but we really have moved away from truth. As far as in in large, not saying this church, but as far as the church in America. And so because of that, and because of the lack of understanding of the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, that we have moved into what I believe is a sign of the time, a sign that we are very close to the end of the, uh, uh, before the coming of the Lord. In Romans chapter 3, some of you go back and read Romans 1, 2, and 3, you know, those are rough chapters, but in Romans chapter 3, it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes, and it gives kind of a list of the condition of mankind, and, and really, Honestly, this is where we are. We can, we can uh, lie to ourselves, and l- let me just say this in some con, in, in, not totally, but in some, uh, sometimes Christians live in a bubble. They live in their little bubble, and they don't realize the condition that is around us and around, and, you know, in, in not only, so in some ways, West Virginia is even a little bit of a bubble. And so, but we don't understand the condition of what is going on and the depravity that we have come into in this hour to, to, to realize that if, if, I know this is like a really weird kind of example, but if you even look at like some of the old movies that you see some of the mobsters in them, they had more morality than, than what we do in our culture so much today. And, and things are, I, 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 uh, I don't know why I subjected myself to it, but there was a, a CIA agent that was giving a report to a committee in Congress just a couple of weeks ago, and it was talking about what is happening with children all over America. And, and Americans are just putting their head in the sand. I mean, child sacrifice, child in, in, enslavement, and, 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 you know, put in the sex trade and all that kind of stuff. It is not just, it is prevalent in our culture. 
And, and this is kind of the, the, the condition that has been produced because there is no longer a fear of God in the culture at all. It, it's just, it's gone. And so what we have to realize is that ultimately the responsibility, all I want to do is get this out, okay? Like God put it in me, I'm going to get it out. I don't care if I, it's the best sermon I preach tonight. I'm just going to like, okay, I got it out. Anyway, I told pastor, I said, I, I got to, um, the word from the Lord and I put it down. And I'm going like, Lord, I don't know if I'm worthy enough to preach it. So anyway, but we're going to get it out. But one of the things that has become uh, what I feel like is the hallmark of what God, when God looks at the world, he, he ultimately looks at the mark of the church. And what we have to understand is that a lot of the, the reasoning of the condition of our culture, it is because of the church's compromise that especially for the last 30 years. And because of that, that there's no longer even the fear of God in among most believers and most churches. And you, you know, if you want to argue that point, we can afterwards. But that's the as I look over the landscape, that's kind of the condition that I see. And we have definitely got into a place that we fear man more than we fear God. I, I love this little quote that I've seen this week. We fear men so much because we fear God so little. And I, I, I was lucky to come across this clip of Catherine Coleman, and, and some of you know who Catherine Coleman is, and she was, she was very theatrical, reminds you of Amy Simple McPherson, but she, she was talking about that she does, says, I don't fear, I don't fear man. And, and she said, the reason I'm able to do what God's called me to do in this hour, I don't fear man. And then she made this statement, she says, and I don't fear the devil. And she said, the reason why I don't fear man or the devil is because I have the fear of God. And so is it that our fear of the demonic and fear of the enemy uh, and even the fear of man or what they can do to us, is it because we are not walking in the fear of God? Now, you know, 600 years before Christ was this prophet named Jeremiah. And if there's anybody that you may have not have wanted to be in the Bible, it was, it was Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah had a word from the Lord that was very precise and detailed, and nobody wanted to hear it. He had no fans. He had no, he had no followers. He did not, you know, there was nobody giving offerings or anything. He was hated by everybody. And finally, because Jeremiah said that because you won't repent, because you won't seek God, and you won't turn, you're going to go into captivity. And though, so what did they do to him? They put him in jail, saying, just shut this guy up. So it's in jail that he receives this prophetic word. And I wish we had time to go through it all, but let me just show you a part of it. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 6, um, this is the word from the Lord through Jeremiah. It says, you are saying about this city by the sword famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. Now the reality is I almost believe so often that American Christians don't, don't think that America could be judged. And we need to be very careful on how we think uh, with that. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I've banished them in my furious anger and great wrath, I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. Let me just kind of preface this so you understand this prophecy that he's giving has two parts in my opinion. Number one, if I could prove it to you, if we could 
take about two hours going through these two chapters, but we won't do that. But just if you maybe trust me, is that there's two parts. It, one was they were about ready to be led into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And then Daniel is the one of the ones at the end going like, hey, Jeremiah said we're going to get out of here and go back home. So they started praying and fasting for that to be fulfilled, and then they went back to Jerusalem. But then also in, in the second part, when you read it, you're going like, well, that didn't happen when they went back to Jerusalem. That didn't happen. But what happened was in 70 AD, they were dispersed once again to the four winds. And so they were scattered all over the world. And it looked like there's no possible any, any, in any human way that Israel could become a nation again. And then what happened in 1948, they became a nation again. God brought them back. And then in 1967, Jerusalem began, it was the city of Israel once again. So I believe that we are in the second part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Okay, going on, verse 39. I will give them, look what he says will happen. This is what God says when he brings them back together. I will give them singleness of heart and action. And look what it says here. So that they will always fear me. And then, and, and that will, uh, will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I, look what it says, and remember this for later. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land and with all my heart and soul. Now, we don't have time to go through all of this, but I believe that, yes, this is a prophecy that is ultimately Israel, but it also is talking about the church because you've been grafted in to Israel. And, and, and seeing that even that there's a part of this, I'm kind of not going in chronological order in my sermon here, but, but it, it part of this, even when Peter said that there was something that was going to happen right at the end where it says that judgment will begin in the house of the Lord, meaning that God is going to bring a purity in the body of Christ right before he comes back. I, I, a lot of people... I, I, I do because my dad made me believe like Jesus to come back any moment. I don't, I'm not taking away from that, but this is just me. I believe that maybe it will be a short time in process. But one of the things that I see that is so clear, reading the book of Daniel especially, is that there is going to become something of, of the purity of God that is going to be restored to the remnant of the church before he returns. And so, let me go on. Verse 9 of the next chapter, it says, Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth who will hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness. Isn't that weird? I was reading that. They're going to fear and, and tremble at what? At all the goodness. Now, I, I didn't understand how that could be true, but then the Lord really took me to the book of Acts, and I see it. And so all the prosperity that I will provide for it. Now, don't get like greedy there. It's not about you, money coming. It's about that we are going to be prospered so that we can propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first line of that verse is what I love. Then it shall be to me a name of joy. What is that name? It's the name that's above every other name. It is the name of Jesus that, it, that when we prosper, it's that the name of Jesus would be glorified. Okay? So... This prophecy of Jeremiah has three parts of fulfillment. 
Number one, it happened in the early church. Number two, it, it, happened, um, it happens in that generation right before the return of the Lord. And we see the sign of, I, I'm telling you what, Israel becoming a nation is, is the greatest sign that has ever happened in our generation. I mean, it is a big, big deal. And so I, I believe the, the second part of that fulfillment will happen if this is the generation or if it's our grandkids, whenever. But in that generation and then the complete fulfillment of this will happen during the millennial reign of Christ on the thousand years of rule and reign on the earth. Okay, now, so first of all, number one, this is what we have to do in this process as we begin to hear this message again of the fear of God. How do we process it? Uh, you know, all we, I'm not, we needed the, the message of grace, but how many know we've got 30 years of grace teaching? <laughs> and and the, reality, the reality of it, some of it went off kilter. It went, yeah. So, so the first thing that I, I believe in this process is that you know, a lot of people say, that's Old Testament. Well, we're going to talk about New Testament now. So, we need to have a revelation that the fear of God was in the early church. The law of first mention, God, how God started something. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of the bread and in prayers. Then, then, somebody say then. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all believed were together and had all things in common. So as the Holy Spirit began to move, there began to be this atmosphere of the fear of God. Now the fear of God doesn't mean that we're terrified, that the fear of God is clean. It's the beginning of the wisdom. The, the fear of God doesn't make me go, uh, you know, come away from God it makes me go towards God it is actually even important in my relationship with God but what we have done for 30 years of teaching is we brought God down to our level instead of realizing he is still God and so you know one of the stories that no preacher wants to deal with is Acts chapter 5 <laughs> if there's any story but you know and I, I, I love Bill Johnson to death and have learned so much, but I remember one time when he was touching on teaching on this, on Acts chapter 5, and he was trying to explain it, and when he got down, I'm going like, nah, no, no. I, I, don't, I may not know the right answer, but that's just, that was really lame there. And because it's like trying to divert, you know, kind of skirt the issue. But in this, in what happened was that there was this lie that was going on where in the, the reality, uh, it wasn't as much about money as everybody makes it about money. It actually had to do with arrogance and pride. They wanted to look great in front of everybody and going like, we're givers. And we, you know, it had to do with their arrogance because they didn't have to do anything if they didn't want to. But then they made a declaration, we're giving, we're selling all this property and we're giving all the money to the Lord and to the church. And, and then all of a sudden they fall dead. And then it says great fear fell upon all that heard it. The, the fear of God. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his, his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. We have a real uh, problem with these verses here. Why a lot of people can just say, well, that's Old Testament. You can't do that on this one. This is like everything's happened. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, the new church has started, the Holy Spirit's been poured out, and still this crazy weird story that every pastor kind of, you know, skirts around is Acts chapter 5. And, and what you have to understand, God had, God had to ad 
to identify by his spirit his presence in the house and that there was a, a degree of understanding of the reverence and holiness of the presence of God. That you couldn't take it flippantly or just casually, but there was something of knowing the severity of the presence of God. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So what you see is this tension, the fear of the Lord, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How many know we, we want the, I want the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Well, over here is the fear of the Lord. So it's this, this balancing, if you would, in our life that takes place. Acts chapter 19. Then it, uh, this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks and dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So fear of the Lord came upon all of them. And there was a magnifying of the Lord uh, among them. And so one of the things that I realized as I was praying about this, I really believe this with all my heart that God is calling us to answer the call, this call to restore the missing ingredient. Now, we always say prayer is the missing ingredient. We need to pray. But the reality is, if you would look in the body of Christ in America and you would look at the, the book of Acts, the early church, what is the main thing that is missing? It is the fear of God. If you go through the book of Acts, you see it over and over again that it's present there. And so one of the things we must realize is we must choose it. We must make a conscious decision. I choose the fear of God. I was amazed. There's a, a, a song that is actually from the Maranatha singers probably, I don't know, 30, maybe 30 years ago. And it's literally they're singing, we choose the fear of the Lord. We choose the fear of the Lord. And so we, we have to cultivate the fear of God in our life and we have to do it intentionally. So first of all, how do I cultivate the, the fear of the Lord in my life? Number one, I need to study the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. Be noble Bereans. Don't just take my word for it. Study it, read it, study it, read it, read it, read it. And one of the reasons why I, 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 I was thinking about this just yesterday is there was a message I heard one of the, the largest church in America, the pastor was preaching, and he, the things he was saying, I'm going to, that's not in the Word. That's contradictory to the word. And you realize that because no one studies the word. I shouldn't say no one because you do. So, but most people don't, that are Christians don't study the word. They, you, you, they just take it. Now, it, I understand we can argue a little, you know, simple thing. We can argue whether you're pre-trib or something like that. I, that's not important. But when we're talking about the essentials of the gospel and the truth of the word of God and dividing the, the word of God correctly, it is a big, big deal. And, and the reality is, if you look at poll after poll, that people choose their churches that they go through for the craziest reasons. You know, I, I, I talked to somebody recently, and they go, well, we go to that Baptist church. I said, what, you're, you're praying tongues. What, what, I, it don't make sense to me. Oh, well, they got a good, you know, whatever they got. We, we should choose. The most important thing should be the Word of God, because it, it's the only thing that will sustain us, right? So, the second thing, I just kind of listened and prayed all week. What, what, give me five things. And the second thing was to be awestruck in His presence, when I worship the Lord, I want to be awestruck in His presence. It, you know, somebody's seen the devotional where I used to flippantly say all the time, awesome. But then I began to study the, the Word and I'm going like, God, you're the, really the only one awesome. There's nothing else that's really awesome. That we're awestruck. 
And, and sometimes that we so flippantly, you know, kind of take casually the presence of God. But I'm talking about moments and times in my life when I've truly encountered the Lord. I mean, like, whoo, like, like the Lord is upon me. I'm usually on the floor. You know, I'm usually prostrate before him. And if you look at so many encounters of God that, that individuals in the Bible had, where do you find them? They are on the floor. They're, they're, and even just the residue of God on angels was enough to make people get on the floor. And the angels had said, no, 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 get up. I'm not God. And so it, being awestruck in his presence. The third thing is you got to be teachable. We have to be teachable. No matter, no matter what, how long you've been saved, no matter what your age is, we always have to be teachable. And if you say, well, I'm hanging around people that I just, you know, I don't want to be teachable with them. Well, you better find the right people where you're supposed to be then. Be around the place that you can be teachable because the next one is the, the, the Lord spoke to me was we've got to be accountable. There's no accountability anymore. And everybody shuns accountability. Go like, well, I'll do my own thing. God can tell me. Well, you know, other, God also uses other people in your life to speak into your life. And God brings, uh, you know, I know that's a, a terrible thing in our culture, but there, there is sometimes older people do know a little bit because they've been there. It's not that they're so much smarter, they've just been around a little longer. But, and, and then so the final thing is number five, allow the Holy Spirit to correct you. When the Holy Spirit corrects you, you know, take heed to that, okay? So one of the things we've got to do is restore the fear of the Lord in our lives. I, I, I was reading Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, Lord, let's do it, Lord, we cry out for discernment in our lives and we lift up your voice for understanding if you seek her meaning wisdom as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures then look what this will be the result then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god when when the wisdom of god causes you to be smart enough to understand what the fear of god is and walk in that in your day-to-day -day life so number three is this, is that God is restoring the fear of the Lord to his church. Uh, out of that, what we read from Jeremiah, that prophecy, it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I, look, I will inspire them to fear me. And I really believe with all my heart that this prophecy is happening right now in the church. There is an inspiration the word inspire, even in, in this context in the Hebrew, it is the word breathe. That, you know, like the inspiration of God, the breath of God. God is breathing on his church to restore the fear of God to the church because it is the missing ingredient that will produce the evidence of God's name being magnified. I just kind of wrote this out as I felt like the Lord gave it to me and this is if it's me, uh, it's probably bad grammar. But anyway, uh, it, it, we, we have the choice right now either to submit to it or to resist it. To submit or to resist. So the Lord is speaking this all over the body of Christ right now. I have, I have talked to people from all over the country 
People who are used to be sons of the faith to me, people who are used to be leaders in churches that I was at, um, people that are on the mission field. This is a right now word from the Lord that everybody's talking about. I, I'm not lying to you that I've had at least three phone calls this week, three, none of them from West Virginia, and they said, man, you got to read this book from John Bevere called The Awe of God, The Awe of God. And I said, well, you won't believe that. That's our summer reading at our church. So you know what that makes me know is our pastor is hearing from the Lord because it's the same word that's being said all over the world right now. And so, I, as I was praying this week, I wrote this down. God is, and I just, it's like downloaded in my spirit. God is not going to move on from this subject. I almost thought about the mindset we are going, well, I'm going to invite him to church, but as soon as we get this series over, <laughs> you know, as soon as we get done with the fear of God, then we'll, then we'll invite him to church. But God is not going to move on from this subject. Yes, we'll probably do another series, but you know what I mean? That God is not moving on from this. This is a word from the Lord for this hour and season that we must. So it is the word of the Lord for this hour. We will either choose to submit to the word, embrace it. And even though it will be difficult at times. Because even our theology is going to have to be readjusted some. I just put it down like I heard it. Or we will choose to resist it. Deceiving ourselves by convincing ourselves that this is a religious spirit or legalism. We all can choose to fight against it in our flesh. The only problem is if, if this is a right now word from God, you will be fighting against God. So the, the good part of this is that God says in, through the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 33, it says, if you hear this, if you receive it, if you don't resist it, if you submit to it, all the good that I do will begin to happen. They shall fear me and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I will provide for it. And this is what I loved, is that the Lord just gave me seven things that I found that were happening among the early church in the book of Acts with people who walked in the fear of God. Number one, they were in unity. Number two, they had signs and wonders on a regular basis. Number, number three, the church was multiplied. People were getting saved on a daily basis. Number four, they were walking in fellowship. Fellowship is the word kononia, and it's supernatural. Number five, there was deliverance happening all the time. Demons were coming out. Uh, I, I didn't read that one part where it was talking about they, all the magic books and everything they were bringing together to burn. That's where the first record burning came from. <laughs> Anyway, but they, they were it, in the book of Acts, it says the fear of God fell upon them and all their, the magic books and, and those demonic uh, symbols and, and idols, they were bringing together and, and they were burning them. And so there was a direct confrontation in the culture of evil. Evil was directly confronted in the culture. And when the fear of God becomes resident over his people, evil will be confronted in the culture. And then find uh, the final one, number seven, the word of the Lord, the word of God grew. The word of God grew in the abundance of that. So Lord, what we say, stand up with me. Now don't say it if you don't mean it, because there'll be, there'll be, uh, there'll be things to follow when we make a, a declaration, but it's very simple. We choose the fear of the Lord. One more time. 
we choose the fear of the Lord. Would would you just uh, lift your lift your hands, lift your head before the Lord? Um, let's just uh, ask an impartation because Isaiah eleven verse two it said Jesus Himself had the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and you have received Jesus in your heart. And because of Jesus and what he did, learning obedience through suffering, what he did was to say, not my will, but thy will be done. In the name of Jesus, those feelings that are contrary in your heart and mind to the Lord's truth, just go ahead and consciously submit that to the Lord. Surrender. Surrender that. Surrender that. Thought there's warfares in our minds that you there's an adamant attitude sometimes we get that I want this. Would you just say, I want Jesus more than I want that? See, that's that's there. There when you declare that, there's a breaking. Of a, of, a, of a work of darkness over your soul you begin to be move into a freedom now look I <laughs> I have been broken hearted over people that I know that have walked away from Jesus it is I was looking into situations I'm saying how 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 did they end up there what did they do and I was tempted of course in my flesh to be critical or mad and then I just sat down before the Lord and I just began to weep and weep and weep and I felt God, the Father, putting something of His love inside of me so I wouldn't be critical, but I would be brokenhearted over the choices that these folks have made. <laughs> and I realized they don't fear the Lord. They don't fear the Lord. They don't put the Lord first above their feelings and the arguments of their minds. They don't, they're serving their flesh. They're turning to their flesh and feeding their carnal nature and then telling themselves that God approves of them with this false grace, a lie from the adversary. It's no fear of the Lord. It's no fear of the Lord. And the depth of Jesus' heart for you. The, the true joy that you will know is only, only found in this incredible intimacy that He has to sow into your soul, to love you, to cherish you. Let's just praise Him just for a minute because we're going to continue here. But the Lord's just working. He's just working. Thank you, Lord. 
break into our hearts. Change us. We've made a declaration. Do it in me, Jesus. Say, do it in me, Jesus. Look, your resolve will dissolve. But when you surrender and say, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, he will begin to work it in you. And changes will begin to happen. You will not become bitter and critical of those around you in the culture. You will just be stewarding your inner being before the Lord. And there will be joys that you have that others don't have. There will be a peace that you govern with your heart with that others don't have. And you will have a fountain of a desire to pray for those in the culture that are, have lost their way. And that's what I'm asking. I'm asking that the, the weight of the glory of the Lord come and rest upon this house and come and rest upon our hearts. I'm asking for this impartation of the fear of the Lord. Would you just lift your hearts to that? Say, Spirit of God, let the weight of your glory come over my heart and my mind. Help me and all of those in my family and all those in my surroundings, all in the workplace. In the name of Jesus, let there come the work of the fear of the Lord. I just felt the Lord say, I just felt this. He, when we embrace this, as we embrace this, the Lord's saying, I'm going to release miracles. My miracle dimension is going to rest in this house. Let's embrace the fear of the Lord. Embrace the fear of the Lord. Let's just pray in the Spirit. Just praise it. Just let your hearts just rise up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Be the Lord. Be his right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.